Welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast, Awakening Your Inner Power with Daniel Martinez Stahl, where we will explore, discover, and integrate different aspects of our spiritual and human nature so that we can all thrive and live life with more grace and ease instead of struggle. So welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast once again. My name is Daniel Martinez-Stahl, and with me today is Barbara Patterson. I will refer to her as Barb or Barbara throughout the interview, whatever comes out. Um, So I did confirm with her. She's perfectly happy with both names. That's right. Either works. Beautiful. I will let her introduce herself uh, shortly, but um, I do want to add just a couple little things about her. She was my mentor in 2014 when I did the Super Coach Academy training with Michael Neal. And I always felt very connected with her. I felt um, I, I felt a lot of admiration and appreciation for her knowledge, her perspective, her point of view. Um, and she's one of my favorite people. Whether or not she knows that or not, she does now. So... Um, I am very excited to see where this conversation goes. As always, and as usual, there is no agenda. I have been asked a question by one of uh, the members in my membership group. Um, And I tend not to have an agenda before these calls. But if our conversation leads in that direction, I will likely bring that back in. Um, Beyond that, um, I would love to just have you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Daniel. Thank you for the invitation and also uh, that lovely introduction. I did not know that, but thank you. So it's nice to hear. And um, I remember that time as well. And it's been a long time ago, but um, I remember that connection. So, yeah, you know, I'm thrilled to be here. I have been, um, you know, sharing and looking in this direction of how the mind the role our minds play, as well as, you know, this sort of deeper intelligence that we have within and how they come together and really shape our experience of life, but also our experience of who we are in the world and how we bring that to our work in the world. So I end up, I mean, working with a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of solopreneurs, a lot of businesses and leaders around the world. And some of that is because, you know, prior to 10 years ago, when I started the business I have right now, I've been in the corporate world. I was an executive um, leader living in Paris right before I took this turn in my life. So I have a lot of affinity for and... um, a lot of respect and for kind of the business world and leadership and all of that. And that is one of the things that I would love for us to explore a little bit more um, because I know that there's a lot of listeners that have a perspective on their spiritual growth where they're very intellectual. And the balance of the two is something that I find really interesting, which is the reason that I talk about how exploring our spiritual development, but then bringing it back to our humanity, bringing it back to our day-to-day, for me, is part of that application into the intellectual side of things. So how do we manage our day-to-day experience, 
given what we're learning and exploring with regards to who we are as spiritual beings. And so that's something that I definitely want to get into. But before we do that, I would love to ask you, what do you think it means when you hear that we have inner power? What would that mean to you? I think it, for me, what it comes up is how are we powered? You know, how are we empowered? You know, I think that, um, you know, power is kind of one of those words when you talk about power over things or power over people, but um, I don't, that's not the first place I go in, in that question. The first place I go is really of what's behind um, what fuels us, what funds us, what helps us be resilient, rise up, be creative, meet the need of the day, you know, address whatever's on our plate. It's sort of what is powering that and um, how do we, what empowers us to step into our dreams, our heart's desires, whatever life is putting in front of us. Beautiful. Beautiful. And kind of going back to, to your, your professional um, work that you do and the clients that you support primarily being business leaders, how much of your conversation with them is overtly spiritual in nature and how much of it is more covert? Um. I'm not sure I would, I understand the question of covert, you know, and overt. I understand it's like, um, you know, often when people um, talk to me and they ask me questions about my coaching, they'll, there's kind of this underlying assumption that the business world isn't ready to talk about what's behind life, that it's inappropriate to talk about you know, that we're both spiritual and human being, you know, it's, there's this old construct about business and what business is and what business, what's a business conversation and what's not. And um, to be honest, I, I don't buy any of that. Now, what I will tell you is that when I first started, you know, looking in the direction of the role our minds play and the power and the potential of our minds, and to use your language, kind of what does it mean that we're both, we have a spiritual nature and a human nature? Like, what does that really mean? For me, it did that question of the what's behind life, what's that energy of life, that spiritual nature felt more woo woo. And so I too thought, well, that's not a practical conversation. That's not a conversation that's going to help you know how to lead a team or problem solve or be more in the flow. Like, you know, I didn't, I saw that as something else based on my history. But what happened was when I started to get on my own personal journey around, well, what does that mean to me? Like, what does it really mean that um, we have this, we are a part of sort of this creative potential behind life and people call it different things. You're using the word spiritual and spiritual sometimes can be a limiting word because people have a lot of history with it. They have their own definition of it. So find another word, you know, you look and it's like, oh yeah, you know, scientists often talk about 
the energy of life, that we're all made of energy, right? Physicists might talk about it as like this field of infinite possibility, this creative potential. You know, the um, I think it's David Bohm that called it the field of active information, which I kind of love, you know? And, and what you see is depending on your... Um, the way you've grown up, what you've seen, where your interests are, you have many names for that. And so when I started to get more curious, like, well, what is, what is that? And how, what does it mean? And why, why does it even matter? And how do I see it on an everyday practical nature? Like I understood the idea of a spiritual experience and, you know, all of that, but it was like, yeah, that, that doesn't do it for me. I want to know how do I bring my best self to something? You know, like that's what I was interested in. And how do I help my clients do that? And I could feel when I was learning from the, my teachers in this work that when they were pointing that we all have inside of us this well of being, this well of creativity, of um, resilience, of um you know, our ability to get over things, our ability to rise to the occasion, our peace of mind, you know, that if you looked outside of circumstance and you looked within, there is something, some kind of deeper nature within, a deeper intelligence. People call it intuition, you know, there's something there. And so I had to get curious about that. I had to go on my own learning curve, which by the way, 10 years later, I still fear, feel like I'm on a learning curve. About, right? Like, you know, I haven't arrived anywhere to put it out there, you know, and, and yet I started to that journey. That journey was incredibly helpful because it, it helped me see the everyday practical nature of things like, yeah, what is it that, um, you know, when they say you get your best ideas in the shower, driving, or um, in nature? Why is that? It's not the shower. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, no, it points to that when our minds are more settled, we're accessing something. We're accessing. We feel it. And so I had to get curious about what that was. And, and then I started to see, like, Oh yeah, if in a freer, more settled state of mind, a freer, more present mind, we access more bandwidth mentally. We access new thinking. We access more of our okayness. Like we just get more perspective. Soon as I started to see that, and I started to notice like where in business would that not be helpful? You know, like where in business <laughs> would it not be helpful to know Oh, if I'm less gripped in my mind, I'm accessing more creativity, more wisdom in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I can totally relate to the idea of having a concept that this conversation is difficult to have in business. And the more that we look in this direction, the more that, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, the more that I looked in this direction, the more obvious it was to me that all of business is every aspect of a business success is based on individuals within the company. And the individuals in the company are going to perform better 
and be more creative, be more adaptive, be more responsive, be more collaborative, if their state of mind is more in a state of ease and of peace, as opposed to being in a state of aggression or tension or stress or resentment or whatever else we get into. And so I started seeing this idea that any aspect in business, when people begin to understand the nature of their experience, where it comes from, how it works, to give them a roadmap, if you will, of the things that they can do, actively do, that will help them reconnect with that deeper part of themselves when they find themselves that they're out of it in a way that isn't a to-do list or a task or a job. It's kind of an understanding that kind of leads to that. Um, so I love, I love that idea. Um, yeah. You know, I just want to build on that, that it's true. Like one of the things that people get pretty quick is, yeah, in a clearer, more open, present mind, like we just do better. You know, it's like you can think about an interview when we're uptight and nervous or a first date, you know, we're uptight, we're nervous. We just, you know, it, it, it doesn't go as well. But when we're free or more present, we feel like things. And so people get pretty fast the idea that, oh, I can. Yeah, there's a there's a relationship between a freer, clearer, more neutral present state of mind and results like they and they can see that. But the piece that you asked first is the second element that do they also know what's funding, what's behind? Like, you know, it's, I don't have to manage my state of mind. I don't have to, you know, like we are hardwired to be resilient when I need it most, when I am destabilized, because it happens no matter how much, you know, we are human and we have moments when the rug gets pulled out from under us, things happen and we get destabilized. So when I'm destabilized, do I know where to look for my stability? And sometimes people, if they just focus on the state of mind element, they get trapped then in trying to always be in a good state of mind. They get trapped in trying to replace nervous thinking with I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what I mean? It's like you're trying to manage something. So this other element of what's behind it, what's, you know, what's underneath that deeper intelligence, that well of being that sits within is so critical for every single person. Like when I started to think about what gave me the ability to take my hands off the wheel a little bit, to start to trust that I didn't have to manage myself, manage everything, manage life so much was seeing we are designed to thrive in a way like you know we're designed to rise to the occasion are left to its own devices our minds level set in that level in that place within we have deeper knowing and deeper intelligence and and it's funny because um you know i've i had my pod i've had my podcast for a few years and i've been able to interview like over 140 people or something at this point and these are executives and entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, thought leaders from all over the world. 
And one of the most common themes I heard over and over again, when they would talk about the thing that has had the most meaning to them, the thing that has helped them be a better leader, a better entrepreneur, more creative, better risk taker, have more confidence was knowing that they were okay, no matter what, knowing that they could handle what they could handle it. And, and the reason they knew that was because they knew where to look for it inside versus in making sure all the details were right, making sure the outcome worked out the way they wanted. It was like, no, when they knew where to go, they were willing to be, you know, in their businesses more fully. And, and I love the way that you're speaking of it in terms of knowing where to look. Because I want to highlight that a little bit because it's very easy for people and myself included as I was learning and I was looking in this direction to apply this understanding as a practice. Like you were saying earlier, okay, I'm caught up. Okay, I need to go into a quiet state of mind. And as much as it might seem like that's what we're speaking about, that's not what we're speaking about at all. It's when I get myself caught up in a state of mind that is resisting my well-being or where I feel blocked of my creativity, it's in knowing that that state of mind is created by whatever thoughts are happening in my mind. And I know that I'm going into another kind of descriptive process. Um, so hopefully I can turn it back around later. But the idea that recognizing that my experience is coming from the thinking that I am having, the interpretations that I'm making, it has allowed me to, to, to quiet my mind so that when my mind is noisy, instead of trying to change the noise from one flavor to another flavor, I've I've learned to allow my mind to settle because I know that when my mind settles, my innate well-being begins to shine from within. My resiliency begins to step forward. My creativity begins to start being a little louder. The the voice of of my wisdom is a little bit easier for me to notice. And so that changes my perspective, that changes my point of view, as opposed to me going and saying, I need to think positive thoughts, I need to think this way, I need to be more patient, I need to be, because then that creates a lot more noise, and we innocently end up creating a different kind of noise that again, blocks us from listening to the wisdom from within ourselves that is always present, always wanting to, to, to speak out and to help us. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, really seeing that we have everything we need to meet the challenge of the moment, whatever that is. And we're just used to thinking that when I say we have everything we need, we're used to saying, yeah, but I, no, no, I don't have the right experience. I've never been here before. No, 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 I, I don't have... Um, the right resources. I don't have that, you know, we're so used to looking outside, but what we're really pointing to is no, like that deeper intelligence, that deeper nature that we're pointing to really has our back. Like, and it will, and, and we'll get insightful, helpful thinking in the moment. Like, you know, 
talk to a friend. That may be the insightful, helpful knowing, but also in that moment may come through, you know what, you are really um, caught up. You're reactive right now. Just seeing your reactivity means you have more perspective than you did a moment ago. Seeing your reactivity is a sign of your health. Because it means like you can be in an experience, you can be having an experience without the experience having you. It reminds me of a big insight that I had last year when I was um, working with Judy Sedgman, where she said something that really struck home. And it was something around the lines of even the smallest shift in our perspective is as big of an insight as those enlightenment experiences because we don't really give a lot of respect to those tiny little shifts that we make. Mm -hmm. The fact that I am a little caught up or very caught up and I become aware of it, like you say, that awareness instantly changes my perspective on that. Mm -hmm. And even if I have a slightly different perspective that's a little bit more helpful, that tiny change is enormous. And the more that we start to recognize those little tiny shifts, naturally we end up recognizing that they happen more and more often because we see we're looking for them we're appreciating them we're inviting that aspect of ourselves to to be more active in allowing us to shift and i don't want to say it that way allowing our experience to be different than it was before yeah. without us having to do something and i say that in air quotes and like, and, and like I say all the time, it's the understanding, as we get a deeper understanding of this, the understanding itself is the one that does the work. We don't have to do the work. And the less we actually get involved, the more effective it seems to be. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, really, I, I, I really appreciate that. And so out of curiosity, because I know it's very difficult for myself and, and others as well, when we're told that we are programmed to succeed, we are designed for success, we are, the universe has our back, whatever terms you want to use to, to discuss that. Um, you know, I will talk a lot about how when we become present in the moment, we allow ourselves to be more responsive to the wisdom that is working in real time that this, this, this wisdom, this guidance system is not working in our future, it's not working in our past, it is responding to what's happening to us in the moment. And that is sometimes very hard for us to accept given the years of, of um, programming and the years of habitual thinking that we've created around, I need to plan for the future. I need to worry about this because if I don't worry about that, that's not going to happen. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I'll just share that, uh, I, you know, I've definitely was one of those people and still have a propensity at times to be future oriented. And so I would think about uh, maybe an upcoming conversation or something, you know, I wanted to create or, um, you know, how I wanted my business to look. And so I, I would say it this way, that I spent an immense amount of mental bandwidth in the future. 
Now, I thought some of that, I think I, it was overrated how much I thought that really was needed or, or the value that it was. It looked to me like a helpful thing to do, to plan, to be in the future, you know, to, well, if I want to create this, then I need to, you know, how's this conversation going to go? How's this presentation going to go? How do I get there? And then when I started to realize like, oh, what if that, that future orientation takes me away from, to your point, takes me away from where I'm at right now, I started to realize like, can I, I started to question in a healthy way. Can I really trust that I'll have what I need in a moment? You know, like, can I trust that I'll have that? And it was actually a conversation. My first sort of place with this was a conversation I had with Michael Neal early on. And I was living over in Paris still, and I was getting ready to, um, quit. And so I called him and I was like, okay, well, my conversation's coming up and this is what I'm going to say. And I think I had a couple scenarios and, you know, and, um, I would be really embarrassed if there was any way to really calculate the amount of time I spent thinking about that conversation (laughs) before I had it. Right. You know, if there was some way to measure that, I'm, I, you know, I have a feeling it would be obscene number, but, I said to him and I, you know, so I'm like, I could say this or that. And I'm expecting Michael to like, go, mm, I like B with a little tweak, you know, like to have some kind of helpful adjustment to what I'm going to say. But of course it doesn't happen that way. And what he says to me in the conversation is, well, you know, what strikes me is that you don't trust that your goodwill for him and your care that you have for him will be enough in the moment. And that just hit me. And because I, you know, I'd shared with Michael, like I did, I had a lot of respect for, for this, my boss. And I, it mattered to me how this conversation went because I cared about him. You know what I mean? And I cared about our relationship and I realized, oh yeah, I was putting all my eggs in the, how I said it, the word I chose, the right phrasing, you know, like the way I'd been looking at it, all my eggs were in the basket of what I said. And there were no eggs in the basket of the feeling I was coming from, the care, the goodwill, and just trusting that that would be enough to ride the moment, that that would give me what I needed in that conversation. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Beautiful. Yeah. So of course, then I you know, had to have the conversation. And it was fascinating because the other thing, just to put it out there is I was also being so deliberate about my words because I was trying to avoid him reacting, right? I was trying to find the perfect way to say it, to avoid a reaction from him, you know? So then I'm like, well, yeah, I need him to know it's not personal. I need him to know this. And, you know, so again, from that place, looking like it's my words. It makes sense that I would spend all that time. But what Michael brought into the equation for me in a very profound way was, oh no, what if that's not the the ingredient that does the work? That's not the driver. Yes. It's the connection and the feeling I stay in. Where I'm coming from inside myself has way more influence than the words coming out of my mouth. And so I, in that conversation with him, 
I was nervous, of course, but, and he reacted by the way. And so, but I stayed not crazy. He didn't react crazy. I don't mean to, you know, make people think that, but my willingness to stay in my good feeling and just keep reminding him what I was doing. I knew how to respond, right? I was a little nervous. Yes, but he got a little reactive. It was a little tense at one point, but all of that was fine because I knew, oh, wait, no, I have just genuine goodwill for, for this person and we can figure it out. Yeah. It's something that, you know, as you were speaking and sharing that story, I thought about my own journey where I would not only think about the future in terms of what I was going to say or what I was going to do, but I also thought about the past, what I did, what I could have done differently. And I spent, and I don't want, I don't mean to exaggerate. And I, it's probably not an exaggeration. I probably spent 95% of my time either thinking about the past or thinking about the future. And maybe even more than that, to be honest with you. And the thing that made the biggest difference for me was recognizing that if we innocently believe that our experience is coming from outside of ourselves, we are going to innocently perceive that as a threat. And if I perceive something as a threat, it's natural for me to defend myself. That was such a big aha moment for me of saying, holy moly, all of my thinking is based on the idea that something outside of me is threatening my well-being. And as soon as I understood that, my mind went quiet. It, it, it noticeably different. Like I, I don't, and to this to this day, I mean, if I start thinking about something and I start going in a direction, it's very easy for me to say, "Oh, well, that that's not really a very helpful direction to go in." So let me go a different direction, or let me just be let me just allow the moment to come when it comes because trying to figure it out is is not going to happen. And two days ago, three days ago, I got really up in my head about my professional direction in terms of my business or lack thereof. And I knew it was a really dark place. And I knew not to go there. Like I felt really depressed. I felt really dark. I felt really just beside myself. And I remember constantly being aware of that. I wasn't neglecting it or denying it or telling myself, no, don't think that. I was aware that that's how I was feeling, but I was also aware of my mind not focusing on it, knowing that it would pass. For me, that's another big thing is whatever mood I'm in, it will pass. And so I just need to ride the wave out as best as I can, as comfortably as I can. And, you know, I went to bed feeling pretty miserable. And, you know, the next day I woke up like it was a completely different day. My mind shifted. And sometimes I wake up feeling still miserable, but at some point that shifts, that changes. And that for me was really big, that recognition, those two things, that when I innocently believe that my experience is coming from something outside of myself, I'm going to perceive that as a threat. 
So I'm naturally going to spend a tremendous amount of time creating strategies, creating ideas, creating formulas, planning and preparing and you know everything and every description in the world in order to protect myself. That was huge for me. That was a huge, huge difference for me. Yeah, I think it's uh, when we can look and at ourselves with compassion, I think that most of the time when we get stirred up or destabilized, um, underneath it all is some kind of insecure thought. Uh, when I was first learning this, I, I heard Sydney Banks say that on some tape. And it's funny because I was really resistant to that comment. I was like, that's not true. Now, don't get me wrong. I had things that I had insecurity about, but I was like, I'm not that. I don't like, I don't struggle with insecure things. I have real things I'm struggling with. You know what I mean? It was like this, this kind of, it was hard for me. But then when I started to look more deeply, I was like, oh yeah, you know, at the bottom of every disturbed mind is an insecure thought. Maybe it's a worry about how I'm doing. It's a worry about, is the way it's going down right now okay? Because I'm questioning, right? Or it's a insecure thought or a worry about a relationship or um, can we handle what's happening? Um, you know, is our home going to be okay? Is our life going to be okay? And am, am I okay? Is there something wrong with me? Like just in a very simple, humble way that often at the end, at the bottom of that is some level of worry and concern. And what was helpful for me about that wasn't to dismiss it, as you said, like, you know, okay, it's just thought, never mind. But it was to just realize like, oh, yeah, in a disturbed mind, um, my limitation, my options naturally look limited. In a limited mind, my options look limited. Like that's just how our minds work, plain and simple. In a distorted mind, I feel more frenetic. That's just how it works. Right. And so, but is it possible? that the limitation or the worry is an illusion of the mind. You know, is it, is it possible that I might see this different in a clearer, more present mind? And just knowing that, to your point earlier, I don't have to get there, but just knowing that I am at the mercy of it or I am experiencing, I, you know, like we live in a state of mind that is fluctuating all day long. Our experience isn't, coming just because of thought our experience is coming because of like our where our current internal climate temperature is where our state of mind is and thought so it's kind of like you know i can be in a low mood in that thought of you're not really doing enough and i'm like i know i know god i need to do more right but if i'm in a freer more open a different kind of more neutral state of mind, I can have that thought come through. You're not doing enough. And I'm like, Oh, hi, you again. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so you just understand when people begin to see like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm living in a state of mind at all times in some ways is another way to talk about it. I don't need to orchestrate or get in a better one. Just knowing that empowers me. Just knowing that is powerful information because like you said, we can, we have rough patches. Of course we do. 
we have times like global pandemics, job losses, losses of friends and relationships and, you know, all, all those kinds of things happen. So this isn't about not feeling those things. This isn't about the fact that, oh, you don't have anything to worry about. It's not that, but it's understanding that, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a fluid. Nothing's fixed, including the way I'm seeing my world, the way I'm seeing myself, the way I'm seeing options. None of that is fixed. So in those darker moments and darker times, can I have love and compassion and just see like if I can be in a darker moment, but have compassion for myself, that's health. That's health in a moment. It doesn't have to change to experience that health. Now, the other day I was talking to somebody and I used the term psychological innocence, which is a term that I like using a lot. Because when I started to recognize that I was acting out innocently, like I was responding in a way that I wasn't choosing to respond. I was acting out aggressively or with frustration or with, with impatience. And I don't like feeling that. I don't want to respond that way, but I was responding that way outside of my conscious control. Yeah. And I started recognizing that if I do that, then somebody else is doing that too. Like they don't mean to be disrespectful to me like that's not i don't think that that's their intention or their their like that's their joy in life is to is to to be difficult with me they're just responding to whatever they believe is real in their mind mm -hmm. and whatever stories they're believing to be real are the stories that are directing and driving their responses and their reactions to life and if you've got a different story than i do you're going to respond differently than i do and you are going to have a different story than I do because you're a different person than I do, than I am. Um, and so as I started to recognize that I was innocently reacting to things outside of my own awareness, outside of my own conscious control, I started to recognize that other people do that too. And the idea that we are we are all innocently responding to the stories or to the thinking that we believe to be real in the moment started to take a deeper significance in my understanding. Like I started to see the truth in that, not just a nice thing to say, not just, oh yeah, that's, you know, we're all doing the best that we can given what we know, which I've been told my entire life. And it has been helpful to some degree. But when I started to see the truth behind that, it all of a sudden changed. Like it was like, oh, yeah, of course. And so that then led me to understand forgiveness. Because I started to recognize that forgiveness happens the instant that you realize that there's nothing to forgive. And I got there because of my understanding of what I refer to as psychological innocence. We are all innocently acting out whatever thoughts we believe to be real in the moment. And that was huge for me. That was another big moment in my, in my own development as I continued to look in this way. Um, can I change topics a little bit? Yeah. I'd love to go back to your work in the corporate world. Um, I have uh, 
I know people that are listening to this conversation that are very practical and pragmatic. And you started to kind of talk about it a little bit in terms of how can it not be useful to recognize that when you are in a good state of mind, you're going to perform better? How is that not useful in business? But I would love to hear more examples or ideas or directions with regards to the practical, pragmatic aspect of seeing the nature of life and seeing the nature of how the mind works as it relates to making decisions and leading a team and responding to an employee that comes into your office moaning and complaining about everything how how does this understanding help well there's so many examples you know i can share a few things that come to mind but feel free to you know direct me move me in a direction if you want but i think what we want to start out with is the premise that you're really helping people understand that there's a direct relationship between what's happening inside their minds and their results in the moment. And that includes like what's my internal climate, my clarity of mind, lack of clarity of mind, my presence, my lack of presence. All of that is shaping my ability to have a good conversation, to be influential, to be connected to the people I work with. It's affecting my ability to listen and to hear. It's affecting my concentration. It affects my um, productivity. Like there is no place where our internal climate, our clarity, lack of clarity, level of clarity versus distortion, however you want to talk about it, where our state of mind is not having a direct influence and relationship to whatever we're up to. It's having an effect right now. And you and I in this conversation, there's no place where where I'm coming from, where I'm at inside myself, isn't shaping what's happening, shaping my internal experience of it. But it also shapes, um, you know, in a way, our capabilities. So, you know, I was working with one um, leader and he was really having a hard time with one of the people on his team. And he just kept saying he keeps messing up. He's unreliable. He's inconsistent. And after talking to him, there were a couple, a couple of things that ended up being helpful. One was the leader himself was constantly bringing um, aggravation, intensity, pressure um, to the conversations with this individual constantly. And so his own internal, like, you know, upset and judgment and, you know, was, is understandable, like no judgment, right? Look at it with compassion. It's understandable. He was frustrated and not sure how to like get this guy to help, but he didn't see that in a way his own reactivity was adding noise, right? Because pretty soon the employee isn't only now trying to get his own act together, but he's like responding to the extra noise of the upset. Like now what's on his mind is not only my job, but now what's on his mind is the upset. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? So the first piece, the, the boss had to get clearer about, okay, I can have, I can have, be, have demands, can have expectations, 
I can give feedback, I can have tough conversations, but all that extra energy I'm bringing to it doesn't need to be there. All my frustration, my annoyance, my upset, the threats, the, you know, all of that was actually diminishing his impact. Wasn't helping. It was diminishing his influence with this employee. So he started to get curious about that and say, okay, well, how can I have my demands, my expectations, be clear, give feedback, and not bring in all that other stuff? And so he started to have more meaningful conversations. And as his own internal state quieted down, he was actually um, getting to the heart of the matter much better. Like he started to hear nuances and he saw where some of the breakdowns were. He saw where the guy was getting tangled in some of the process. So he was able to give feedback that was more helpful, right, than it had been. So that's one element of it. Did you want to say something? Oh, okay. No, I'm just the, clearing my throat. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. The other element then that happened was um, when the employee started to see, oh, wait, I'm, I, I'm bringing a lot of pressure inside myself and anxiety and trying to get it right. And that pressure is a distorted mind. It's not helping me bring my best thinking. He was able to kind of, you know, with just a level of awareness, start to get more comfortable, like not leaning into that pressure, not leaning into the idea and the grip of get it right. And so he started to do things with more ease and comfort. And as a result, then he was naturally performing better. And he took off his mind, his boss's reactivity, right? He took that completely off of his mind. And so both of them, that's just one example. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. So you can see in communication how messy it gets. But if we have an awareness of what's my state of mind, how am I entering this conversation? This is true for negotiations. I have to go, I'm doing sales. If I'm walking into a sales conversation and I have my script and I'm ready to go and ready to tell you what you need and what I need, and then I'm listening for when to insert the sales thing, there's so much noise. And then we miss maybe the what the client really wants, what the potential client really needs, or their experience of us when they walk away is they don't really feel connected. You know, so there's there's a there's a place in negotiations or sales when we can see and enter those with a more present, neutral state of mind, we actually are better negotiators. We're better listeners. So those are communication examples. But it, again, it's endless. You think about being, um, you know, uh, working on a factory line where productivity and getting it right and the numbers and the efficiency all matters. If I'm stirred up, if I'm anxious about meeting my goal, if I'm anxious about things, if I'm anxious about my coworkers, anxious, then I just don't do as well as when, you know, I'm, I see my reactivity and I'm, I'm able to step into those things with more presence. You mentioned something which I'd love to invite you to expand upon, and that's the idea of listening. Mm -hmm. Listening is one of those things that I think we can all continue to, <laughs> to become better at. Um, 
but listening is a so deep listening is a term that we use in the the, the three principles conversation quite often and it's interesting and fascinating to me that I find very few people outside of, and this is a bias, of course, so I apologize, but I find very few people outside of the three principles conversation really understand what listening is about. Because a lot of people think that listening is actively paying attention to what you're saying, being able to respond in my head exactly what you're saying. So as you're speaking, I'm repeating your words in my head. So I'm listening to what you're saying. And all that's doing is creating a lot of noise. And I'm actually not connecting with you. I'm not present to you because I'm actively paying attention to you. And there's a difference and a distinction in being present to somebody versus being actively present with someone. And given your experience and your knowledge, I would love to, to, to hear your thoughts of that. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, I would have um, given myself an A in listening. And by the way, I probably would have gotten other people to rally behind that, right? So um, I think that um, there are people out there who really, they have an, an instinct. They're able to listen, not just to words, but they're able to listen beyond words. They have good instincts for people. And they hold it. But what I didn't realize, what was new for me, was there's a way in our listening that we can be more oriented to our minds, where our minds are taking us, versus really just staying present and letting something emerge from a conversation, letting something come in. So what I... What I hear and what you're saying, the active listening, you're right. It's like we're listening to know where to intervene. We're listening to know where to help. We're listening to know to spot the problem. You know, like we're kind of in this internal state of analysis, of evaluation, of um, some people are planning their response. That's true. You know, like there's a way that we're active. We're really busy inside our minds when we're listening. So when I started to realize how busy I was inside my mind, now I had good instincts, a lot of years of training. So, you know, I could, I felt like I was a good read of people. There was something I was bringing to it already, but I was like, oh, what if I got even less noisy? Like, what if I even let some of that internal noise go away? And I wasn't assessing what was going on. I wasn't looking for a problem. I wasn't, you know, evaluating the moment. So that's, that's part of it. But the other piece, which I think is a really powerful nuance is I also didn't realize how often we follow our own train of thinking in the middle of a conversation, like, and it's on topic, like it's on topic, like I haven't gone, not at the laundromat, you know, or whatever, or tomorrow night's dinner this moment. But, you know, there's also where we're kind of on topic in our mind, but we're still following where our mind is taking us. And that that's just another way of saying, no, 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 come back, keep listening. And what happens is when we focus on the listening and the presence and listening with nothing on our mind, like just to use that phraseology, it's, you know, just listening, what happens is things come through an understanding of a person emerges inside of us, an understanding of a topic, or 
you know, when I'm listening to understand you, it's very different than when I'm listening to um, be able to repeat you. So those kind of direction and nuances, I think, have taken my work with people to a whole new level, have taken my ability to connect with people, um, my intimacy and my relationships to a new level, for sure. One of the biggest things that I noticed in my own journey of learning to listen more was the idea of listening without my old thinking. Because a lot of what I would do is I would relate what you're saying to what I already know. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. either to agree or to disagree, because those are terms that people use in, in, in listening and all that. But all of that aside, I would relate what you're saying to what I believe I already know. And yeah. as I relate what you're saying to what I believe I already know, I'm like you're saying, I start creating a different path relevant to what you're saying, but it's my path. And the idea of listening without your old mind made a big difference for me. That, that concept, listening with nothing on the mind is one thing, but listening without your old thinking, without what you already know, listen for something new yeah. is another thing that we use a lot in the, in, in the community. Yeah. That aspect of listening for something that you don't already know yeah. is being curious, not so much from a perspective of, what do I know that you are saying, but being really present to what you're saying and open to the possibility that I don't know what you're saying. So let me, let me listen. Let me be curious. Let me ask questions. Yeah. Let me explore. I mean, your mind, when your mind thinks it knows, it stops being curious. You know, it kind of shuts down. I mean, that's what a mind does. That's what a brain does. So when it thinks it knows and it's looking to know and categorize, as you say, then it it um, it just stops learning. And so I think what you're talking about is a really beautiful thing because, um, you know, I was at a conference one time and one of the speakers was getting ready to tell a story and I had heard the story before. And, and I remember thinking like, you know, in that moment, I was like, yeah, okay, I've heard this. And so there's a way like I could feel myself preparing for what I knew, right? And then I just for whatever reason, in that moment, I was I, I went, oh, wait, who cares if you've heard it before? What can you still hear it fresh? Like, fresh is coming from inside of me, not him or her, right? You know, so I just got really, I'm like, oh yeah, let me listen with my full, that full kind of thing, attention and curiosity, not knowing what he's going to say, not thinking I already know the point. Like what else would I hear if I didn't think I already knew where he was going and what his point was? And it was really fascinating because um, I just got into this really lovely feeling of what he was sharing. And I guarantee five minutes before that, that would not have been my experience because I would have already been down the road. Oh yeah, I know what his point is here. I know where he's going. I've heard that before. Yeah, that's kind of a cool story. And then I'd sit there and wait for him to get over it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. thinking that the impact of that talk was because it was a story I'd heard before. No, no, the impact comes from inside of us. So my ability to hear a story fresh is coming from inside of me. I could hear a story 
15, 20, 30 times and have an amazing experience every time. It's not that the story is the same. It's where I'm coming from inside myself. You know, so to know that that brings a different kind of element to our engagement with an activity or an individual. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I honestly find it very difficult to still, I find it very difficult to not go into what I think I already know. Yeah. It's very easy for me to go in that direction. That's one of my, my habitual patterns. Yeah. You know, I'll go into conferences and I'll go into discussions and, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to step out of that and kind of be in a position where I say, maybe you don't know what you think you know, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to be said. Even if it's already a story that I've heard, I don't know what is going to be said. Maybe it's a, a nuance that that hasn't been shared. Well, the the thing is, is it's not the richness of life and the quality of our experience of life is coming from inside of us. So to know that in any moment there are infinite levels of depth available to us, there are infinite levels of presence and listening. No matter where we're coming at, there's a even, could I get even more comfortable in my skin? Could I get even more present? Could I tap into something, into that inner quality, that feeling, that essence, that richness of life? So you start to see like it doesn't, and you know, it's not coming from, you know, the fact that you've heard it before. It's not coming from the information. And that happens inside of us as well. So yes, it's true that, you know, we have our habits of mind, but do you know where to look for the richness of life? It's in the complete opposite direction of where your 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 brain and your mind. Yeah, it reminds me of something Marina Galan said in episode one, where she was talking about how if it's raining outside, she can go into all kinds of thinking about what that means to her, or she can look at it from a perspective of saying, I don't know how I'm going to respond to rain today. Yeah. And that there's a million possibilities and ways in which I can respond and, and yeah. live the experience of rain that day. Yeah. You know, preference is memory. Otherwise, how would you know whether you liked it or not? And, and, and memory is just thought. So when you start to say, oh, yeah, I don't like this thing. I don't like this activity, this person. I already know this person or I already, uh, you know, I there's nothing new here. You have to know, oh, wow, that is an illusion of the mind. Like that's memory coming through. That's not fresh to your earlier word, real-time data. That's not real-time experience. That's me bringing memory, ideas, interpretation, preferences to the forefront, and then living my life out of those preferences. You know, when the truth is, I love what Marina's saying, you know, you could, you can't predict where your mind is going to be in the future. So to set, predict how you think you're going to be feeling is, is kind of a crazy idea. It's like I was talking to my niece before she went to off to college and she was just experiencing some anxiety about it and the campus and, you know, kind of all the normal things. And the, the thing that ended up being most helpful to her was when I, when we were talking and I said, well, do you know that your anxiety today isn't predicting the future? Like, do you, 
You know, when you just see you're having anxiety in the moment, it's telling you where your state of mind is in the moment. It's not predicting the future. You know, and just to remember that so often we take what's happening currently as like future prediction or it's telling us like it's we're, we're taking a stirred up state of mind as good data, you know, <laughs> and, and then it's <laughs> like, and, and, you know, or the fact that we didn't like it before in the past is good data. Well, how do we, how do we know different day, different moment, different mindset? I love the idea. And I don't remember if I heard it through someone in the principles or not, but I love the idea of approaching a relationship as if you don't know the person every day. And I love that idea. I haven't been able to get there myself, (laughs) but I love that idea as an intention of approaching a relationship, have it be my mother or a friend or someone else, a colleague or my boss, having that openness, that ability to approach a situation with a fresh perspective. Well, listen, here's a great thing to remember. And this was something that really struck me. When I started realizing I wasn't experiencing people fresh because I walked into relationships with already deciding I know them. You know, I was I was looking at my mom and, you know, while the feeling is a good one, I had it, it was like, you know, she's in this box I have, right? Or a coworker or a business partner. It's like, you don't realize you, you, you know, kind of assess, you draw conclusions about people and then you live as if those conclusions are all there is. So that ability to get surprised by people or to experience them fresh is really to just kind of realize like I'm changing all the time. How could I assume other people aren't? You know, I'm seeing new things. I'm trying new things. How could I assume that we all aren't constantly shifting and changing and evolving? Yeah, it reminds me of a, of a friendship that I have where at one point I started getting really annoyed because this friend kept on referring to something that dated back like 10 years. And it's like, I haven't been that person in so long, Mm -hmm. but in this person's mind, I was still that person. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really difficult for me to get them to recognize that I was now a new person. And so that was one of the things that I use as a reference in my own experience of if I go into a relationship with someone thinking that I know how they are and how they behave and what their personality is, I'm not respecting the fact that they're different today than they were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to share with us that we haven't talked about? You know, I think the thing I would just like to say is often, you know, I, I have a, a long history of um, self-improvement and it's been my career, whether I was improving myself or helping leaders or organizations and cultures, you know, all of that. So I've had this eye on improvement. 
And probably one of the most profound directions for me to look is to see whole and complete as is, no improvement necessary. That that has been a more radical and profound life-altering, business-altering inquiry than me trying to get myself together, than all the years I spent trying to improve upon and get myself together and all the right tools and the right frame of mind and, you know, the right, my purpose, like, you know, sincerely, I've spent years and years and years in that direction. But when I started to look at the wholeness of who we are, that we are both this human with our quirks and our history and our conditioning and um, our thinking and our preferences and all of that. And we have this deeper spiritual nature that we're both and. One is not better than the other. One is not more evolved than the other, that it, we are the full package. Like we come in that package. We are, as humans, the intersection of the form and the formless, the human and, and the spiritual, you know, whatever you want to call it. When you start to look and when I started to consider the wholeness, looking at who we are whole and integrated picture of that, I started to realize there's so much more we're bringing to the table than we realize. Right. If it's just if I have to rely on my personality, I got work to do. If I have to rely just on my behavior, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> we have to rely, you know, like there was a lot of work to do in all this other arena. But when I started to also really get curious and factor in, oh, wait, no, we come. We come with something else. And yeah, it is more elusive. It doesn't, you know. It, it requires that I have my own personal relationship to that place within me, that I get curious, that I have my own felt knowing of what it means that I have both this creative, infinite potential available to me and I have my humanness. You know, and, and sometimes I think people can make the spiritual, the, the prize and the human, what you got to learn to tolerate. You know, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in the mud and the messiness, I have had some of the most profound moments of my life. And in getting more curious about how it's ordinary that we have within us this essence that helps us rise to the occasion of our life, whether that's getting out of bed some days or whether that's helping a friend with loss or whether it's dealing with the unknown. Like that, that essence, that spiritual nature, that human nature, whatever you want to call it, that place within us, that well of being, we come to the table with both. And when we consider the wholeness of it, I think it, it um, empowers us to come back to your original word, word, you know, it's, it's extremely, it's a profound inquiry and place to look, but it has both practical and, um, you know, really amazing rewards in it. I totally agree with what you're saying. And I mean, it's a, a big part of, of what this podcast is about, um, which is that respect and appreciation for our humanity and not looking at our spiritual path as the end all and be all but it's in recognizing that being human is being spiritual. It, it is the integration of both aspects of our experience. Mm 
Um, I frequently talk about how I'm trying to think I just wrote something about this somewhere. I, I fre frequently talk about how our oh, of course, in the um, the fourth lesson of my my online course that I just read for the previous episode in the podcast, I talk about how we have a human personality and we have a spiritual personality that when we come into human form, it integrates and it becomes one. And so our experience of life is the unity of our human personality and our spiritual personality and the characteristics of both and how, and I know that this isn't really a three principles conversation, but as we go through life, in preparing for this experience of life on earth, we identify the body that we want to live with because of the specific quirks and characteristics and flaws. It is the flaws of our human that allows us to grow and to develop in the ways that we want to develop. And so it's in looking at that, again, that appreciation and respect for the things that we would consider our flaws and looking at that beauty and looking at the the gold the silver lining if you will of the things about our current characteristics our personality or our body or whatever it is that we find really challenging it's in beginning to recognize the beauty in that challenge the the nature of experience for the sake of experience and this is again something that that is talked a lot about in the spiritual community you know talking with regard to there is no wrongdoing there is no judgment there's nothing anybody can do that is inherently wrong every experience that we have every direction we take leads us into experiencing something different. And sometimes that's exactly the experience that we want or we need in order to learn, in order to grow, in order to develop, in order to prepare for whatever it is that we are building for and building towards. And so that's given me a very different perspective on looking at my life as being lack or missing or less than and looking at the wholeness of the experience, looking at the beauty of the experience, even if it's an experience that isn't pleasant, I'm able to recognize more and more that there's a bigger picture involved that I might, I might not even be conscious of, I might not even be able to recognize, but there's this faith, this trust, this knowing that I'm going through that experience because that experience is leading me somewhere helpful, even if I don't see it. And the example that was just given to me the other day is you know, you're driving your car and you have a flat tire and you spend the rest of your day moaning and complaining about how that flat tire made you late for your meeting and you lost a client or whatever happened, not realizing that by having that flat tire, you avoided an accident where you would have been severely injured. And so we don't know what these challenges that we have what is the meaning and purpose behind them? And so for me, that idea of recognizing our wholeness, as you talk about the fact that we have this spiritual well of being that is at the core of our existence, 
not only helps me to recognize the value of my experience, but also in recognizing that the experience itself has value without judgment. So on that note, um, with regards to your work in, um, again, going back to the corporate arena, kind of your, your clients, um, what advice or what ideas or what would you share with somebody that is looking for a solution, looking for a formula, looking for a to-do list of, okay, this all sounds great, but what do I do? Yeah. Um, well, I think that if people just get curious about this idea that resilience and peace of mind and creativity and fresh thinking and their okayness is inside, you know, that we come with that. If they get curious about that and go on their own journey to discover and see what they mean, I have what that means for them. I have no doubt they're going to get, they're going to see more. And then the other piece is just to get a feel for your internal climate and you start to see what's the relationship between that internal climate and you know, um, my feelings and what I'm up to. And if people just, just gently get curious in those two things, those two directions are rich with insight. You know, they'll, your, your own intelligence, your own deeper intelligence will show you more along the way. It's like anytime we're listening to anything or reading a book or, and something gets sparked within, that's kind of that thing in, within saying, ooh, what's that about, right? And just allow yourself to keep looking and exploring and you'll see more. And I'm, I know that, you know, for people who are achievement oriented and like me, you know, looking for the formula, that can feel like a very unsatisfying answer. But I share it first and foremost because it is the direction your own journey in that direction, your own curiosity, your own willingness to let go of your preconceived ideas about how it all works, that is going to serve you far greater than going and, you know, with your five-step plan on how to clear your mind, right? So that's why I'm saying that first. But the other thing I would say is there are endless um, resources and places, books to read. And I'm sure you on your podcast, you know, point people to that and YouTube, there's so many people sharing in this direction. And so follow where your own curiosity is around this topic and, and this understanding that um, Daniel and I are talking about, you know, so it's this, you know, I, I think that we rush to doing, but if we aren't really behind it, no, you know, then all that doing just becomes like another thing we're trying to fix ourselves with versus just getting really curious about what we're inviting people to here. Beautiful. Lovely. 
really, really, really appreciate that. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we, we bring this to a close? I don't think so. I just, you know, I'm, I appreciate that, you know, your intent and your desire to want to share and make a difference. And um, I think it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. If somebody was wanting to reach out to you, I know you mentioned your podcast. Um, I would love for you to share your website and your podcast name so that people can find it. And of course, I will include it in the description of the website as well. Uh, yeah, it's simple. BarbaraPatterson.com. You can find me and the podcast is um, uh, Real, Real Business, Real Lives. And um, you can get it on Apple and um, yeah, and, and email is barb at barbarapatterson.com. So thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for everything that uh, that you've shared. I, I look forward to having you come back to visit at some point in the future. Thank you. And, um, and hopefully one of these days we will be able to have a face-to-face -face somewhere. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It'll happen again. I know it will. It will happen again at some point, at some point. Yeah, thank so. you. Really lovely to have you. Thank you again for being here. And, um, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you heard something new that invites you to reflect, to go within and deepen your own understanding of life and of our universal experience. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow the podcast series on your favorite listening app and share this episode with others that you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, may we all soar with inspiration, explore with passion, and live with love.